Good evening, everybody, and welcome. This is the On Texas Football live stream. It's part of the Inside Texas and On3 Network, On3 Sports Network. I'm Blake Monroe, joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And you can catch us here every Tuesday night, beginning at 7 p.m. right here. And uh, Bobby, Jerry, how you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great, good. Man. Jerry, you, you okay on your travel today? Yeah, I did. Easy flight from Houston to Tampa. Went out to... Uh... Tampa Catholic High for practice. Keith Niebuhr and I have the uh, Gators uh, site with On3, good friend of mine for many years in the business. We went out to uh, Tampa Catholic High today. We're going to get out to IMG and Bradenton Manatee tomorrow and then Orlando Jones and a couple others Thursday. All right. Well, guys, some big news right off the bat here tonight for Texas as they got a commitment uh, this time from a 2024 punter. And uh, I'll let Jerry, if you want to take the lead on this and, <laughs> you know, give us a little information on it. Look, first of all, you, Texas got somebody committed from St. Thomas Aquinas, which has been no small feat for the Horns. Um, STAs had 19 players drafted, I think, since in the last few years of the NFL draft. And so Jeff Banks is hoping this will be 20. Uh, Michael Kern, 6'3", punter kicker that's being recruited as a punter ranked the top three punter in the country i actually just received a message from his kicking instructor brandon cornblue who i've known a long time is tremendous at what he does he said he's strong got great levers to be really good uh very talented kid still developing physically um that's uh michael kern just committed to fort lauderdale or sorry for just committed to texas from st thomas aquinas down in fort lauderdale which has put the most players in the NFL, the Bosa's. I mean, you go down the list, there's been a ton of talented players come through that private school in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, Texas is hoping to add that name, add their name to a list of guys who have come out of STA and gone on to the NFL. Uh, but he averaged about 41 and a half per punt last year. He had 83 kickoffs because STA speaks everybody pretty bad. Um, so he kicked off a lot, 57, 58 were touchbacks. But he's a, he's a kid who's kind of skinny, rangy, Long lever, like Brandon Cornblue said, is kicking instructor that is not even really strong yet. So his best years are way out in front of him. So on three, Jerry doesn't do much rankings uh, as far as punters and kickers. None, none of the uh, services do. They leave that uh, really for the kicking and specialist. Exactly. Group, right. Um, I, I find it, he was ranked number four in yeah. the country uh, coming out of high school. So he's the fourth ranked punter in the country as of right now. That could go up or down, obviously, as he has a senior year. I find it interesting they're not going back to Australia for a punter. Uh, <laughs> you know, they went, they got lucky with uh, Mike Michael Dixon, but not so much with uh, Ryan Bucheski or the other name. The other one escapes me right now, that the one that just transferred, Isaac Pearson. Pearson, yeah. Uh, so one out of three, they decide to – to go back to the good old USA. Hey, look, we got, you know, we got to up the old SCC at Southeast region recruiting numbers right now. And Michael Kern <laughs> helps that in the sunshine state. So, you know, Texas can squeeze a uh, Jarrett Gibson coming up here. Then that'll be two years in a row. They've got two uh, prospects from Florida. And I know that's never happened in the history of Texas football. Is that where, you, is that who you're going to see tomorrow? Yeah. Jarrett Gibson at IMG, Jordan Johnson, Rubel, the safety, uh, Jaden Jackson, a defensive tackle. Obviously, Jarrett Gibson's from Gainesville. Jordan Johnson rebels from Fort Worth Brewer High School. Jaden Jackson, a defensive tackle, is originally from Brownsburg, Indiana. Then there's a kid, Stray Horn, a 2025, uh, that Texas really likes on the offensive line, as well as a number of other kids, a couple of 2026 20, offensive linemen 
but it's it, it's a, another talented group at IMG. Then after that, going to Bradenton Manatee, they have Tyreeky Robinson, a defensive tackle that Texas offered in March. Haven't really heard much about him, but he's not a kid that does a lot of interviews. So I'm just going down there to kind of kick the tires and see where if te where Texas is at in that one or if they're pushing for that June official visit. Longhorns now at three commitments, Blake, uh, which is interesting. Uh, joining uh, Kern is uh, Hunter Modden, uh, wide receiver DB, primarily out of Clear Lake in Houston, and then quarterback uh, Trey Owens uh, out of Cy Fair. That's all right. So, well, the other news, uh, of course, tonight, guys, is an offer just went out um, here, and this kind of relates to our first question by Rodolfo Escovel, who wants to know what's going on with Texas and Taz Williams. Do you have an update? Now, you know, Texas offered today. It's interesting. Um, they offered a couple of Red Oak prospects two days before Taz, and I think Texas fans are all wondering why it took so long for Taz to be offered, but we kind of went over this um, when Chris Jackson was hired, he, he, hadn't, he hadn't watched any of these guys. So he gets to actually get out and see these guys. There you see Taz Williams. Um, he gets out to get out and actually see these guys and evaluate these guys and kind of build his own board. Um, that's so good. Hey, by the way, Taz is another athlete verified on on three. Uh, so I'm sure Shannon Terry is very happy about that in the on three team. Um, we're seeing more athletes verified pop up, by the way. Uh, so that's good news for on three. Kids are taking notice of what uh, on three is doing in NIL space. Uh, but Taz, you know, look, for all the wide receivers out there, Chris Jackson, he was hired late. He gets to get out and watch these guys play. Now he actually gets to build his board and decide who he's going to offer in 2025. So kids can't really be upset if they weren't offered as early um, as some other schools did, especially when you go through that coaching change. And Jerry, real quick, for those that aren't familiar, you're talking about the athlete verified part of it. Explain what exactly that is. Yeah, that's where guys can go in and have control of their of their own profile to a certain extent with on three, which has never happened in our industry. I'm sure Bobby and I probably never thought this day would come in the industry if you asked us about three years ago. Uh, but so he can go in there. He can he can post his own videos. He can post photos. He has control to a certain extent of his own profile. He can add in his visit dates. He can add in uh, so many things within that profile. Uh, and it's really a great opportunity uh, for prospects to kind of take ownership of their own profiles for the first time ever um, and work with a, a um, you know, on three on building their profiles uh, the way the, the prospects want it. So it's now height and weights. That's all camp verified stuff. That's, you know, your kid can't go in and say I'm six, three. <laughs> and when you're six, one, now, that's not what we're talking about here. But as far as posting videos, photos, uh, recruiting visits, they can do a lot of things within that profile. Bobby may have something to add to that as well. Well, no, I was just going to say uh, on three is you talked about what on three itself is doing in the NIL space. A big piece of it for us is uh, education. Yeah. So it's not about us making money. I mean, we're not trying to make a dime off of the players or anything like that. In fact, we're just trying to give them information so that they can make their own decisions and do what it do with it. They and their their uh, folks that they trust do with it what they will. I, I will I will say this, which caught my attention today. We're having a uh, symposium in Nashville. Uh, where the national headquarters are located for on three. Uh, we invited roughly 30 to the 50 top players in the country, football players in the country for the class of 2024. I think there's 30 or so that are signed up. They just announced today who one of the speakers was going to be. 
And I, I think we may get higher attendance level now, by the way, Jerry. Well, yeah, it's the highest earning NIL, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Livy Dunn, the, 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 uh, the uh, young uh, uh, gymnast from LSU will also be joining uh, the, that. And she's one of the marquee speakers or one of the guest speakers at the event. So uh, it's, it's something that uh, On3 takes pretty seriously because th- th- it's affecting the kids' lives and their parents' lives and something that we want to be helpful with not uh, take away from uh, the entire situation at all. It's very cool. Very cool. Well, guys, switching gears for a minute. Uh, Les Grossman here. He has a question, and we want to thank Les, of course. Uh, what has to happen for Arch to start or see playing time this season? Boy, I, I think he's, I think for sure you got to get Quinn Ewers down. Or <laughs> either Quinn Ewers has to be injured or hurt, or injured or uh, have a – just a horrible season, start to a season. Then you go through Malik Murphy, and then you get to uh, Arch. I, here's what I would say, though. Once it – if and if Ewers gets hurt, then it's really a, an Arch-Malik battle, and Malik is ahead right now. There's no question about that. At the same time, Malik's not half as proven or half – doesn't have half the experience that, that Quinn does. So there's not that leap necessarily that he – might have to make. Um, I do think that he could see time during blowouts, say if they're beating Rice or Wyoming or somebody like that. Uh, that that may be a different category, but I'm I'm talking about significant time. Jerry, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting um, because you know if and we you hope it doesn't happen if something happened with Quinn and he was out for an extended period of time. Um, then the question really does become: Does that does the ball go to Archer? Does the ball go to Malik Murphy um, in that scenario? And and I, I think uh, I still lean to Arch on that, uh, honestly. Um, if, if a scenario like that happened, um, because I, I I just I think he's he comes in so prepared. I think Malik struggled through injuries. I think it'd be good competition. But if it's extended period of time, I, I would actually lean the Arch on that. Got it. Les, thanks for your uh, your uh, contribution there to the super chat. It helps. I think that's one. That may be half a beer where Jerry's staying tonight. <laughs> we appreciate it. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, our guys uh, from uh, uh, Energy Texas. Uh, if you're in the state of Texas looking for an energy provider able to change uh, from a local one to one that you want to trust, uh, and that is also from the state of Texas. Uh, try Energy Texas. It's Texas electricity done right. When you deal with Energy Texas, you're not dealing with someone from back east or overseas. You're calling a Texas number, 855-461-1129. Give them a try if you have an opportunity, energytexas.com. Thanks uh, so much for their sponsorship. Hey, by the way, I want to make a little announcement here for the people that aren't on Inside Texas, and they should be. They may not notice Trevor Goosby is going to a Texas signee, four-star offensive lineman who's qualified for state in the shot put. He's going to join the show about 7.40, to take us to the end of the show. So we'll be talking to Trevor Goosby, offensive line signee, who will also be competing at the uh, state track meet uh, May 11th or 12th in the uh, 5A shot put. Right. That's, I want to say this. That's pretty amazing that he's in the shot put, Jerry, of all events. You'd think maybe the discus with his arm length, but the shot put is kind of odd for a guy with that much arm length. Hey, and we're going we're gonna to talk to Trevor about this, but one thing I was told uh, in speaking with his family last week, 
Take a guess what his height and weight was at the Texas spring game, April 15th. He's six, seven and a half, 286. He is still growing vertically. <laughs> um, and his little brother's a six, four and a half freshman basketball player that's on the Texas radar in AAU basketball. Texas has actually watched him play. He's with Drive Nation 15 and under the uh, AAU team that's run and owned by Jermaine O'Neal, who obviously Asia O'Neal plays on the national championship volleyball team. So um, uh, they, there's another Gooseby coming up. And if he's six, eight, he's going to be really dangerous in basketball. <laughs> and we'll talk to Trevor about all that. Well, of course, the uh, the NFL draft was uh, this past weekend. We saw five Longhorns be drafted. Of course, a, a couple of undrafted free agent signings as well, guys. Uh, so this question kind of related to that. Joe McWaters preaches sometimes. He wants to know, outside of NIL, is there a bigger recruiting tool than putting guys in the draft, not just into the NFL, but having their name called? Y'all's thoughts? I, I'm going to say this. I still think it's number one over NIL. And here's why I say that. It doesn't have to be a certain team. If you just look at what kids in our industry say they want to play in the SEC, because that's the place where the most guys go in the NFL draft. They feel like that's where the best competition is. So the NIL deals are going to be there. I just think kids want to go play in the best conferences. There's a reason Texas and Oklahoma are headed east. Um, and the SEC had the most draft picks, I think, for the 17th year in a row in the NFL draft. And if people think that's not important to kids, as important to NIL, I don't know what to tell you. The NIL is all over the place in the SEC. You can you can do well in that regard anywhere, but they want to play in that conference where they believe they're going to get drafted. I still think that's number one, Bobby. I, I agree with you. I, I think that um, NIL definitely plays a role. The, the problem is everybody's money is the same color. Right. Right. Every, it's all green. So you get offered, I don't know, say you're, you're going and you're offered 50 grand one place and 50 grand another. Then it comes down to what's the real factor here. Why do I want to be at one place? versus another. And, and, you know, we can talk about how these guys have big, you know, can make big money now uh, going to a certain school or playing for a certain school, et cetera. But the reality of it is, is it's the soft factors that ultimately make their decisions. Um, and because the, the money's going to be relatively the same everywhere. There's a market that is out there that's kind of established. So it's not like one is paying more than the other or anything like that. I, I think it's starting to get that and get that way. And so I think that what you'll see is people want to know who's getting me ready for the next level. That's right. To football to Jerry's point, the sec has carried major weight for the last, really, I would say since I got into this in the early nineties, really the last 20, 25 years, um, it has kind of taken on a new life. Um, and I would say that it, from my vantage point, at least it is the 800 pound gorilla in college football. And, and by, by, by the way, Florida, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida covered those states covered 43 percent of the NFL draft picks in the 2023, almost half from those man. states. I mean, that is saying a lot. Those kids are going to stay closer to home. They're going to get stay in the SEC. In the end, like Bobby said, everybody's money's green. And so that's where the talent is. And those kids are going to stay close to home because those schools are producing the NFL draft picks. And since to Bobby's point, I think when Miami slipped and Florida State started the slip under Bowden is when the SEC truly took over. I think that's fair. Early 2000s. Yep. I agree. 
All right, guys, we'll shift the gears back to recruiting. Jacavius King wants to know, Jerry, I hate we missed out on Jaden Greathouse. Who do you think we will, will end up being better out of him and DeAndre Moore? Well, I know who's going to be throwing the ball to DeAndre Moore. At least I know three <laughs> names, and they're all really talented. I don't – you know, if you're Jaden Greathouse, I don't know who's for sure going to be throwing him the football. And Are they as talented as the guys at Texas? And do, are they going to have the scheme like Steve Sarkeesian has? DeAndre Moore looked awfully good in the spring game and in the one open media window when I was there. Yeah, he had the drop that people are kind of thinking about with him in the spring game. But if you remember, he looked he ran a post route, looked back up into the sun. I was literally sitting in, in near the end zone and looked up, and it, that was going to be a tough catch to make. But DeAndre Moore's got tremendous hands. I think he, the quarterbacks already trust him as a route runner. And I think the Texas staff already trust him to catch the football. I think he can catch the football in traffic. I think he's a guy that's going to be productive in number of catches over his career at Texas. And I think he's got a, maybe a little more juice after the catch than a lot of us gave him credit for. I think he showed that a couple of times in the spring game. So without seeing who's going to be throwing the ball to Jane Greyhouse, and I love Greyhouse as a competitor, he kind of has a Roshan Johnson, Jabari Rice type of competitiveness to me I, that's who I'd compare Jaden to um, which I can't give him a better compliment than that but I do know who's going to be throwing to DeAndre more the ball and I know what the scheme's going to be I, I will say this I I, I agree with Jerry I, I just think they're two totally separate players mm-hmm. um, one's a big outside receiver um, that gets physical with folks or can and, and the other one's a slot machine you know, he's going to be in and out of breaks and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I just feel like it's hard to to really discuss between the two of those guys. Well, guys, uh, staying on the uh, wide receiver subject here, Justin Yarbrough, we want to thank you first off. But, uh, Jerry, who would be a good comparison for Parker Livingstone? Every time I watch the tape, the more I think he's a great prospect, prospect and any recruits climbing the rankings with camps winding down. And are there any recruits I don't really have a comparison for Parker Livingstone. I, I don't know, Bobby, if, if, if you have anything. I don't. I, let me think about that throughout the show. I might come back on that later. Um, recruits climbing the rankings with camps winding down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all across the country. Um, I mean, you know, look, I think Joseph Jonah Jaune from Oak Ridge is blowing up now uh, because he went to one of the ESPN underclassmen camps. And Nathan O'Neill, who is a friend of our show, trained – had four first-rounders who works those camps that called me immediately after the camp and said, who's this guy? And I said, he, I think the guy's a five-star prospect. He said, he sure looks like it. And so Joseph's one of those guys that I think is going to keep uh, climbing the more he's out there. I think he shocks people with his ankle flexion and flexibility and really just his upside at that size and, and his length. Um, I think Ty Anthony Smith is a climber for me after being at Jasper. Uh, last week he's bigger than you think he is he's six one and a half about 210 pounds but he checks all the boxes off the field for me Uh, he really reminded me of Sean Weatherspoon in a way you know where you just met him you talked to the coaches at Jasper about him maybe you talked to the, the secretary in the football office like I like to do and ask about kids and it was all really good reviews on Ty Anthony as the kid. So you know what he is on the field. But then when you see the frame, his, his bench press has gone up 40 pounds in the last few months. He's up to 210 pounds. 
He has long levers. He's got a six, seven wingspan, so he can actually play on the edge a little bit. Um, but then he is a big, long frame inside linebacker, bigger than most inside linebackers are, but he has the uh, smarts to call a defense. They're letting him make all the calls in seven-on-seven seven this spring in their athletic period workouts. They're really – Coach Crumley is doing a really good job developing this kid, giving him a chance to maximize as a linebacker the next level. So that's one off the top of my head that I just saw recently um, – Blake Ivey might be another one I saw recently, the offensive lineman at Clear Springs. I was over there last week. Um, it looks like he's going to visit Texas June 16th through 18th. I'm giving a little bit away there that I was going to say in the morning on Inside Texas, but I'll throw that one out. But he's going to visit A&M and LSU here coming up in May. There's Blake Ivey, the photo I took when I was there last week. But his frame, he had lost, it was interesting. When I went through there last year, he had dropped down like 261 pounds. He's back up to 280 now. He's got an 82, 83-inch wingspan. Um, he's got tackle athletic ability, but he's going to slide into guard or center at the next level. And if there wasn't a guy like Daniel Cruz, named Daniel Cruz at the same position, he would be the top of the board for Texas as an interior lineman. Uh, but Daniel Cruz is probably ahead of Blake Ivy. But he's a guy who's uh, – Adazio was there, the dad was there. Kyle Flood was there the day before I was there. I think Brad Davis was there a couple of days after I was at Clear Springs. So he's another one. Uh, the offensive linemen are a lot of times your late developers, and he's going to be one of them. That's interesting because that's the A&M, uh, Texas, and LSU offensive line coach back to back to back. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jerry, I, I was thinking about Livingstone. How about somebody like Xavier Hutchison uh, from yeah. Iowa State uh, is a similar guy, kind of guy, all Big 12, second team, first team performer. Catches a lot of balls. Yeah, uh, long, lanky kind of guy can go up and get it uh, and, and win some uh, some uh, 50-50 balls. And on Parker, this is a big year for him on the field. Look, his commitment will be made. I think he's got South Carolina, Arkansas, Texas official visits in June. Um, I think South Carolina's second through fourth, Arkansas's ninth through eleventh, the Texas is twenty third through twenty fifth. Last year he had uh, Kyle Parker, who was the number one receiver on that team, and then. Uh, I think it's Jackson, uh, I can't remember his last name, Speedster going to SMU um, at Lovejoy. This year, all the attention is going to be on Parker, or the majority of the attention is going to be on Parker. So this is going to be a great opportunity for him to be the number one guy, to be the go-to guy at Lovejoy. But that's also going to create a little more pressure for him because Kyle Parker's not there and because the Speedster Jackson's not there. So Parker uh, – Kyle Parker got Parker Livingstone some favorable matchups last year. Um, this year, Parker's going to draw the best defender in the bracketed coverage more often, and I think it's a big chance for him to show exactly what his upside is. He works with margin hooks, so he's a little advanced as a route runner compared to some other guys. He's also back on the uh, bump uh, pitching this year for Lovejoy. Obviously, his brother plays baseball at Texas Tech, comes from a really talented baseball family. Uh, but this is a big chance for him this year to put up big numbers on a really good team that is very well coached at Lovejoy. All right, guys. Well, let's go to the question of the week here. And we'll wait for it to pop up. I, I asked the community this question, Blake, because I thought it was a pretty good one. Uh, and I, and I did it right as the uh, transfer portal was closing uh, because Texas uh, obviously not having any movement in the transfer portal, I thought spoke volumes about where this Texas roster will be. Uh, we finally know and have a good idea uh, of where it will be uh, this time three months from now, right? When they really go back to work uh, and uh, get going again. 
And I asked everybody, you know, what's the expectation level uh, for uh, this Texas roster? Look at this. 42%, 11 wins in a conference championship, 10 wins, 37%. That means like uh, that's 80% are expecting 10 plus wins. 88% are expecting 10 plus wins basically. Right, guys? Yep. And by the way, I think that's reasonable. It's year three for Sark. He went from five wins to eight wins. You have a lot of talented players back, 10 on offense, returning starters. You're having more guys mocked in the first round of the 2024 draft than Texas has had in many years. Um, they're also a quarterback, a tight end, a wide receiver. Um, you know, Texas has the makings of a really good offense despite losing a great running back and a guy that I think is a unbelievable leader and will play years in the NFL and Roshan Johnson. Jordan Whittington needs to take on some of that leadership for me because he's got that same physicality and toughness that Roshan had. But look, all the talent coming back on this team, the second straight top five class, um, specialists are back, a kicker, a punter transfer. So you're not breaking in new specialists this year. You should be improved in the punting game. And guys, just I ask you all this: How many positions is Texas not going to be better at this year versus last year? That to me is kind of the answers the question on expectations. I, I I think it's pretty interesting because I I would like to know. So Jerry, were you at ten wins or the eleven plus conference championship or twelve? Wins? I, I'm at ten regular season, and and I probably would have pumped it to eleven in a conference championship if I if I would have bet if I'd have made a punch the blue dot on this. Okay, what about you, Blake? Yeah, I – man, I don't know. <laughs> it, I think anything less than 10 wins is would be a, a major letdown. But, yeah, I'm right around 11 wins, in my opinion. I don't know if that will be with a conference championship or not, but I would say 11 on the season. I, I went – I voted 10 wins, um, and but I'm the, the resident pessimist. <laughs> we we know that as a I know you were I know you weren't that eight percent down there. No, 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 I was not. No, no, yeah, I wasn't in the eight percent, twelve plus wins. But I also look. I, I definitely think that they need to get to ten. To Jerry's point, um, uh, does that mean that you're necessarily going to win a conference championship? I don't know. I wrote an article uh, for Inside Texas today, a column actually that. You know, I've talked to some folks on campus there in the building, and they're excited. Mm -hmm. They they are really excited about this football team and what they have. Um, they don't they haven't had this before under Sark. To Jerry's point, you know, there's a there's a player, and then there's a backup player, and then they've got answers. Is the re reality of it? They don't have a lot of questions. They have a lot of answers. And when you're a football coach, that's a darn good feeling. I mean, that's. That's what you that's that was that's what you wake up for and want to go to work, you know. So I feel like just from what I've heard from from those folks, uh I I would be 10 wins plus. I just don't, you know, one ball, one interception, and you don't win the conference championship, right? So it's kind of hard to to say that that's gonna happen. And I do agree with Carbon here. The Bama game is gonna tell us a lot, uh, whether or not it's 10 wins. If they beat Bama then that's a different story. But, you know, I, I, I think Bama's just going to try to out-physical Texas, whereas last year with yep. Bryce Young, they tried to finesse Texas a little too much, maybe. That, that's going to be a different ball game this year in Tuscaloosa, I think. I, I, I don't know that the outcome will be different or better for whoever. I just think it's going to be a different type of ball game because I don't think that 
Nick thinks he can play small ball with Texas this year. I don't know who I, I don't know if he's on tonight, but I know one of that eight percent on twelve plus wins. That's Mr. Sorrell if he's on. So <laughs> he was very excited at the spring game. It was great to say hello to him. Yep, there you go. All right. All right, guys. Based on what you saw in the spring, who's going to be the MVPs of offense and defense next year? And this is asked by Mick Biscuit. I'll go. I'll go first. Yep. Uh, offense. I'm. I'm going. Ad Mitchell. Uh, just feel like he's he's got some ability, um, and I think that uh, he's going to be the big target on the outside that uh, Quinn Ewers needs on defense. I'm not going to go with Jalen Ford. Uh, or Jade Barron, I'm actually going to go with Byron Murphy. I think I like he's going to he's going to create some havoc on the inside uh, that uh, takes him up a, a notch a little bit, and probably it, it could be his very last year as a Longhorn, even though he's only a junior. That's that's going to be my take as a, as as we're going into the offseason right now. Yeah, I'm going with the quarterbacks. I'm going with Quinn Ewers and Jalen mm -hmm. Ford um, because if they both have really really good years, then that ten wins is going to happen. Um, if Jalen Ford builds on last year, watch out. Um, I don't know if anybody saw if, – if Texas fans haven't watched the interview on Longhorn Network that's been posted on the uh, Texas YouTube channel, Derek Johnson interviewing Jalen Ford, it was really eye-opening to how good Jalen Ford was. Derek Johnson was making comments about Jalen Ford and coverage and how he saw things with, with his teammates – replacing a teammate who took a false step and making a play on the ball. Jalen Ford, that was some pretty heady stuff to watch. And if he builds on last year and Quinn becomes the guy that's going from a mock first rounder because we know he's got the talent and he stays in those mock first rounds midway through the season, then those are your MVPs in Texas. That 10 wins is going to, is going to happen. Blake, what are your thoughts? <sighs> yeah. I, I'm with Jerry on this one. I was going to say Quinn Ewers and Ford. I think those are the safe bets. Uh, and, you know, I mean, obviously Ford kind of got snubbed at the end of the year last year on some of, on some of those postseason honors. And I don't see any way that Quinn doesn't improve, especially with all the playmakers put around him. And, you know, quarterback just gets all the attention, of course, good or bad. And so I think those two are the safe bets for sure. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It's a great question here. Yep. All right, Jay the activist. And Jay, thank you so much. Is Quinn a first-round pick no matter what, just on his talent alone? We saw Richardson go four. Quinn is better than Levis right now, question mark. 
Well, Levis couldn't even beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. Um, but I'm, I, you, know, you guys may not remember this. Do you guys remember a quarterback named Jeff Hostetler? Oh, yeah. He couldn't beat out Todd Blackledge at Penn State, and he transferred to West Virginia, West Virginia. ended up, I think, in a Super Bowl with the Giants. Yes. Um, so there, there's a there's some uh, – I, look, I don't know that he's better than Levis right now. I think he has more talent than Levis right now. Uh, but I don't know if he's better. Um, and I don't think he's a first-round pick no matter what. Health matters. Productivity matters. He's got tremendous arm talent, but they're going to want to see him improve. The thing with Anthony Richardson, and, and Jerry, you talked to this, yeah. Anthony Richardson, they saw a trajectory. Yeah, He's not all the way there yet. Everybody knows that. But they see a trajectory. Will Levis's trajectory kind of went sideways this year. And I think that's why he dropped to the second round. I, I think what's going to be really big for Quinn, everybody's talking about what kind of numbers he is he going to put up, um, how many games is the team going to win. I, I think it all is important, but I, I think two things are more important. He's going to be a better player than he was last season. No question about it. He was a, essentially should have been a true freshman last year. He wasted away for you know, Ohio State, kind of had to hit a reset button. He was injured last year, more than the injury we knew about. If you listen to Sark, he's going to be a better player. And he, part of the reason he's going to be a better player is he's got A.D. Mitchell. He's got somebody who's going to bail him out this year. And Xavier Worthy in contract year, Tavion Sanders contract year, Jordan Whittington contract year. These guys all need to have big years, and that's going to help him. But I think the bigger thing for Quinn, if he's a better player, like I think everybody would expect him to be, when NFL teams talk to Steve Sarkeesian, that's the big stamp of approval for his draft stock, if you ask me. Because he, Sark's got a resume that is trusted. And if he tells these guys yes, that's going to benefit Quinn in the draft, in my opinion. He's coached the position at that level. He's exactly. been an offense coordinator. He knows what's needed. Yeah. Uh, right. And I think I think that's a big thing. All right. I want to say thank you uh, to uh, energytexas.com. Uh, Energy Texas. Uh, folks, if you've got an opportunity to look at and choose your own energy provider, uh, like some people do in the state of Texas with deregulation, uh, give Energy Texas a look. Uh, 855-461-1129 or www.energytexas.com. You can shop your energy prices with Energy Texas. It's a Texas-based company, and they only, you know, you call them, you're calling a guy in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas. Uh, energytexas.com. Uh, thank you very much. It's Texas electricity done right. Jerry, I, I've been thinking about this and want to ask you and, and Blake this question a little bit. Um, as it relates to that, that topic with Quinn, does Texas in your, in y'all's opinion, have three potential first round draft picks at quarterback right now? I mean, I don't know where Malik's I, I Malik looked like he had first round talent. At the very least, Arch Manning has looked like he had. I mean, that first practice I saw of Arch, I was like, okay, that's the best freshman quarterback Texas has had yeah. as a true quarterback. Yeah. Um, do they have three first round talents at quarterback? I need to see Malik in game action um, because he's different. He is a pocket passer. I think people think he's a, a more of a guy that plays well on the move. I think of the three quarterbacks, he's the least athletic as far as playing outside the pocket. Um, when he can step into a throw, he's got that, right? He's always had that. He's done a great job refining his mechanics and being coachable. 
Uh, that's one of the things I took away from the spring game is that he kept his release pretty compact. But I, I want to see him. He has not been in a game situation where there's other guys that are going to be drafted closing in really quickly. How's he playing the pocket? That's going to be the key for him. He's not going to be a guy that's going to escape the pocket and move chains, right? That's not his game. His game is as a pocket passer. Um, so I, I want, I'm going to have to see him in the game action and make sure that some of those things he's always done doesn't revert back um, under duress. I, I watched Arch play. I love that Arch played under duress at Isidore Newman. He didn't play. He played with some good players, but he didn't ever really have the best talent. I mean, you know, when you get to the playoffs against Southern Lab, you have no chance athletically at Isidore Newman. He played under duress his whole high school career, and I think that's really puts him ahead of the game in college. And to go with being so prepared mentally um, and from a mechanic standpoint, he's had to play the position under duress his whole high school career, and I think that's really going to help him. Yeah, I think the potential's there, but I, I, I it, it's just hard to say without seeing them in live action, you know. But the potential definitely there. there there's no doubt about it. Uh, e. Kim, Jerry, the over-under on one-and-a-half commits in the 2024 class from Louisiana. Well, I'm going oh, oh, the over on that in Florida, if that gives anybody a hint. But um, <laughs> in Louisiana, in Louisiana, man, I, I tell you, I don't think LSU fans want Texas signing two this year. I don't think Brian Kelly wants Texas signing two out of that state this year. And Dominic McKinley from Acadiana High, um, he set up his official visit June 23rd through 25th, a defensive lineman five-star. That's going to be a tough pull from LSU. I know he's got Ohio State June 2nd through 4th, A&M the 9th through 11th, Oklahoma the 16th through 18th. LSU's saving that last official visit. Make sure they get the last official visit. Um, that one's going to be tough. Melvin Hills, if Texas took a Melvin Hills, he's visiting June 16th through 18th from Lafayette Christian. A defensive lineman who's he's got a lot of talent. He's 6'4", 270 with really long arms. If Texas takes him, then maybe they get to that number. Uh, but it's going to be tough. Wardell, Mack, those guys that are going to visit on that 23rd through 25th weekend, I just don't – it's hard to see Texas pulling those guys right now in this cycle. We'll see what happens. Well, let's uh, let's stay on the over-under for just a second here. Another question for me, Kim. But this oh, time geez, from Duncanville. <laughs> Duncanville, Jerry, what's your thoughts? We just lost one in basketball, so, man, I'm not going on the over right now. I'll tell you that. I'll say it one. <laughs> uh, guys, I don't know what to say. What does this one say from Ryan Nelson? All right, Ryan Nelson, from your experience covering coaches, what is the biggest lesson they learn after their first time running a program, especially if it ended poorly? Bobby, you go first. I'm interested to hear what you say on this one. Stick to what you know. Don't uh, I, I've talked to many first time coaches that have uh, like when I grew up in this business, let me give you this background. So when I grew up in this business 30 plus years ago, I was just like Jerry and everybody else. We start by knowing the assistant coaches because we meet them on the road. Yeah. Right. We see them at a school like Jerry was talking about the other day. Well, in the past 25 30 years now I've been, I used to see those guys when I was 25 years old and now they're all 50, just like me. Right. And so you see them and they go get a job, a head job, they get elevated. 
And the, the thing that, that overwhelmingly, when I talk to the guys that didn't do well, and I'm not going to name them, right? Because that would be, but they ultimately got away from who they thought they were um, and what lane they thought they were in. They tried to be something that they weren't. The ones that succeeded are the ones, in my opinion, that coached the way they'd always been coaching, uh, pushed the way they'd always been pushing. That's that's my number one thing. Stay true to who you are. And, and I'll say this, I, I, and I agree with that. And the other thing I would say is I think they do a better job hiring an initial staff the second go around. I think sometimes you maybe recruit guy or bring guys on those staff you're comfortable with, but that may not be the right answer. Um, I, I think guys generally, if they get that second chance, they do a better job with their initial staff. All right, guys, we've got a special guest that Ryan yeah. Nelson thinks, by the way. We got a special guest there coming he in is. here. Trevor Gooseby, uh, offensive line commitment, uh, University of Texas, or actually pledge. Look at that Longhorn paraphernalia in the background there. Uh, we can see it there. How you doing, Trevor? Uh, doing good, doing good. J Jerry, hey, you, you've been uh, itching to ask him some questions, so you have at it, buddy. Yeah, okay, so the first thing, Trevor, we got to get out of the way is you were, at, you were in Austin for the spring game. Mm -hmm. What did you height and weigh at there so Texas fans know that you're still growing vertically, man? You're still getting yes. bigger. So I weighed in at uh, – or I, my height was 6'7 and a half, 278, I think, 279, something like that. So, yeah. So you've grown another – you've grown an inch in the last year because I think last year at the Under Armour camp in March, you were like 6'6 six, six and a half at that time. Yep. Hey, Trevor, I had a question for you. Uh, you qualified for the state meet in the shot put. Why? That's fairly rare for a guy your size, your height, to qualify in the shot put. Guys like you usually stick to the discus. What, mm -hmm. what What's the deal with that? Uh, I, to be honest, I really have no idea. This is my. This is only my second year throwing shot, and I just. I guess I threw it far, far enough to get to state. So. Hey, do you just press it? Are you pressing it or are you spinning? So I used to just like front press it just naturally, and so I my furthest front press is like a fifty-five-five, I think. And then my furthest uh, glide was like 57.8 in my okay. in the, uh, regional meet. So, yeah. Trevor, I had a question for you about your recruitment. Mm -hmm. uh, you had a bunch of offers, uh, Texas and Kyle Flood. Uh, Coach Flood has, has gotten a pretty high acclaim, held in pretty high esteem by Longhorn fans because of his ability uh, to recruit. He even played two true freshmen last year on the offensive line. Um, what, what, what was it that stuck out about him and Texas for you to make your decision? Cause you had plenty of other places you could have gone. Um, I think for me, just seeing how simple coach flood makes the game. Cause really it's, you can complicate it or simplify it as much as like you want to. And so coach flood just made it like super simple for me to understand. So that's really one of the things I liked about him. Another thing is obviously his, uh, his resume, you know, it's, it's outstanding. You know, he put in, I don't know, I think it was 2018 where he put in, it was the year of like Jedrick and all of them. And uh, yeah. it was that year. And uh, he was putting in, he's putting linemen in the league. So that's really also what got me going. So that is very funny because we just had this conversation, Jerry and I did uh, about the NFL and the impact that could have on a, uh, uh, a young recruit. Uh, was that, maybe the biggest part of your question or was it also close to home? Or was it a mix of all those factors? Well, I mean, as you can see here, I got my Ricky Williams. So I was, uh, 
I was born a Texas fan. My whole uh, mom's side of the family went to Texas, so I've always grown up around the Longhorns and liking them. So that was a, I was also a big part of it. Hey, that, you, you led me into my next question. I had to ask. I have two questions about your room. Was the Ricky Williams poster up while you were committed to TCU, or was it after you committed to Texas? <laughs> so you can be honest, nobody's watching, just the four of us. <laughs> so it's funny because this used to be my older brother's. Yeah, okay. back when I back when we used to live in Dallas. So I've had this for five years, probably four or five years now. I got that one. Then what else? Oh yeah, over my bed. <laughs> I got the uh, this photo of the stadium before it was like before uh, all the additions were made. So, yeah, that's awesome. That, that's over my bed. So yeah. Hey, hey, hey Bobby, here's one for you. So we, we do Trevor uh, Trevor we do look some trivia questions. I see the I love seventy back there on your wall. What other Texas offensive lineman wore seventy, Bobby? Do you remember? I believe it was Leonard Davis. I was going to say it was Leonard, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is it Christian Jones right now? Is Christian, it Jones, is Christian, Christian Jones? Christian Jones. So you get to slide right into seventy next year, Trevor. That's a good thing. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Blake, you have anything for him? Uh, well, yeah, actually I do, Trevor. So, I mean, you've been playing football a long time. At what point did you realize that, hey, I can do this, you know, not not just play in high school, but play at the next level? It was funny because I didn't – I mean, most of you guys know I didn't pick up my first offer until my junior year. And so my sophomore year, I was kind of just like, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this. I don't – I probably can't go to college. So I was thinking about, like, other options. They moved out to Melissa and I got my first offer and they just kept coming in. I was like – Maybe I can really, you know, make something of this. Yeah. Where do you think you improved the most from junior to senior year? Were certain aspects technically? Was it strength? Was it confidence? Where, where did you improve the most from junior to senior year? Well, definitely filling out my body for sure, because junior year I played at 245, and the senior year I played at 280. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was just, like, being more powerful and being able to dominate guys off the line and stuff, like in run, or in, uh, yeah, run, in run blocking. So, yeah. Trevor, one of the questions that that, uh, people ask are, what is Texas doing right now in the offseason? I'm curious to to know what the Texas coaches are asking you to do as you get ready to show up in June. Like, did they send – I know they send everybody a workout and tell you, do this, do that. But are you – are you – do you have a little bit different take on it since you're still in track and field? Um, so yeah, I'm still doing all my workouts and stuff, but the biggest thing that they want me to do is just stay athletic. So coach, uh, coach Beckton wants me to keep playing basketball, which I do, uh, every week. So yeah, there's that. And then just make sure I stay athletic. Cause they're not really worried about my weight right now. Cause they can put that on easy. Like once I actually get there. So, yeah. Uh, so we need to scouting report on young Ashton. Okay. Your little brother is about, about six, five now, right? Yeah, He's already on the Texas radar in basketball, man. I actually mm-hmm. made a call on that and they know who he is. He mm-hmm. plays for drive nation 15 and under. So give me a, a, an Ashton scouting report real quick. And is he going to be, if he gets to be six, eight, he's going to be really dangerous playing <laughs> wing now. So, yeah, it's Austin actually. And awesome. um, so him, I mean, Whenever he plays against us, first of all, that's what I'm going to say. Whenever he plays against us, he's always trying to kill us and stuff. So I just need him to bring more of that to the to the game against other kids. But, I mean, this kid, he can he can do everything. Shoot the ball. He can finish, dribble, drive, pass. He can do whatever. He can guard positions one through five. Because, I mean, playing one-on-one against me, he has to learn how to guard big men. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, and he's about 6'4 now. 
super lanky, super long, and he's only growing. So I, he may be taller than me. So he's got all the potential in the world. Speaking with Trevor Gooseby, offensive line commitment to 2020, excuse me, 2023 class uh, for the University of Texas. Trevor, were there any uh, players in particular in this class that you were uh, close with through the recruiting process? Uh, definitely Peyton Kirkland and uh, Andre Kojo. Those are kind of my guys that I really bond with. Uh, I met PK when he first went on his official visit because I was down there too, and we just we really hit it off. So, you know, those are my guys. That's interesting that you mentioned Kirkland because he seems to be a nice guy. I, I remember when there was were tornadoes or flooding going through Orlando, yeah. and mm-hmm. Cedric Baxter, you know, the, the running back, he actually went and stayed with Peyton Kirkland and yeah. his family a little bit during that time. So Peyton seems like a guy that's a, that uh, is a likable guy all the way around. So, Trevor, watching the Texas spring game and you watched them throughout the season, did you see a team that you thought it was improved from the season to the spring? Anything stand out to you at the sp- in watching Texas this spring? Oh, yeah, no doubt. We're definitely going to be a better team. Just watching the freshman O-linemen just alone, they were, they were playing great. I mean, for freshmen and obviously playing offensive line, it could be way better. Or it, it could be um, – it could have been way worse. And uh, I think like Andre and them, they did really well. So uh, there's that. And then obviously, you know, we brought in a really strong recruiting class like Jonte and, and Ant and all them and Arch and all them. So I think, you know, in a couple of years, we can definitely be uh, national champions for sure. So you're tight with PK, uh, Peyton Kirkland. What, he, what has he told you about what to expect as a freshman in college football? Um, definitely for the uh, workouts, it's probably going to be hell the first couple of, first couple of weeks. So, uh, I'm ready for that. But, uh, once you, once you really get used to it, I mean, it's not as bad as people think, but you're obviously still putting in the work and stuff. I'm just going to get stronger and faster. And so I'm super excited to get down to Austin. When do you, when do you, uh, officially show up? What's your due date? Uh, I think it's May 28th is move in day, I think. So, yeah. So um, newest member of the pancake factory guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, so um, your high school, obviously Nigel Smith, 2024 uh, defensive lineman's there uh, for the Texas fans that are keeping up with his recruitment. What, what can you kind of tell them about Nigel as a player, as a person? Oh, Nigel's a, a fantastic player coming in at, I think six, five, two sixty, probably one of the you know most twitchiest guys I've ever had to play against. Because uh, going against him in practice just made the games way easier for me. So that was a blessing having him there. Uh, as a person, he's a really good person, really likable guy. You know, he goes up and he'll talk to anybody. So, yeah, I really like him. Trevor, th- thank you so much, bud, uh, for hanging out with us uh, and coming on the On Texas Football Inside Texas live stream on Tuesday night. Uh, we really wish you the best. Good luck at the state track meet, by the way. Yeah. Uh, sir, come home with you. a medal of some sort. Uh, put it around your neck and you can take it and hang it up in your dorm room when you get back to Austin. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. Thank have y'all. Thank you. Good luck, Trevor. All right, y'all have a good one. All right. Uh, you know, Jerry and, and Blake, what a what a nice young guy. Yeah. Seems like a really a quality young kid. Got his head on right, trying to do things the right way. Think, think, think about what he said. He was 245 pounds his junior year and was 280 as a senior. And I, and I was actually looking back at his old Under Armour stuff, and he's grown a full inch since uh, in the last year. So, I mean, it, it, it's really interesting to see where his frame's going to go. Uh, but I love that Tory Beckman's saying, keep playing basketball. Keep that those basketball feet and that knee bend. And um, our David Williams, who's on our show a lot, talk, mentioned the CrossFit, and I think he's a spot on. He would know more about it than I would. But 
Uh, yeah, I think he's also, you know, when Sarka's excited about this team and the culture, I think you just saw why. Yeah, it's yeah. a good point. All right, guys, getting back to some of the uh, questions here. Ryan wants to know, if you had to give draft round grades to the Texas DBs, how would you rank them? Man. <laughs> Loaded you got to go corners and safety separately. Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? I mean, so here's the reality. Um, I think Gavin Holmes, Ryan Watts, and Terrence Brooks are the top three corners. Brooks, obviously, is the youngest of that group. Um, Watts, I think, is going to project more at safety in college simply because he doesn't run well enough maybe in to the make next level pros. in NFL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think he would go late if he goes at all because I think it's going to really depend on how well he tests. And I, I don't know. Um, Gavin Holmes, from what I'm being told, is a third, fourth-round pick. They, that's I'm just telling you, he's going to run four fours. Mm-hmm. Low four four, according to, to folks, and I know people didn't see him do much in the in the the uh, spring game. He, he had one pass breakup uh, of Jonte Cook, but that was about all you saw. They, they think he's. I mean, he's already started two years. I mean, you guys, I, I think that we got to realize that Terrence Brooks. I think it, he may be a guy that's a nickel, maybe safety. He's a little bit, and and I don't want to compare him to Quandre Diggs from a physicality standpoint, because I think that's rare, but from a intelligence football IQ standpoint, I think he may be there. Um, if that makes sense. So I, I don't know where, I mean, I, I just don't know on Terrence Brooks, um, the safeties, Jaron Thompson, I think is a late round pick undrafted free agent. Uh, you have uh, Jalen Catalan. I just think that depends on health. He has a fully healthy year, third, fourth, fifth round. If he doesn't, safeties haven't been going high lately. Uh, and then uh, Jade Barron's is a real interesting one to me because you could move him at corner. You could move him at, at – I think he's a second, third-round guy right now. Uh, and, that's, and, you know, and I'll say this, I think it won't take long. I think we're all going to wait till Malik Muhammad plays in game games. But I think we saw enough this spring to where we kind of have the expectations that we'll be talking about that in the future with him. And I think what's interesting is, and I'm going to go back to this, maybe the most talented defensive back in the program is in New Iberia, Louisiana. He hadn't even got here yet, Derek Williams. Because there have not – Bobby, I don't know about you, uh, Blake, I don't know about you, but there are many, many times in a press conference where a coach talks about a guy being a possible first-round pick on a signing day press conference. And then Michael Griffin echoed it on the Longhorn Network. I think that maybe the highest NFL draft pick upside guy is yet to get hit campus on the in the secondary. Uh, I think that here's the reality, guys. They they have experience, they have talent. Yeah. Um, it kind of remind. And I'm going to say this. I don't know that they have first round talent at the upper at the upper ages, yeah. the junior seniors. It reminds me of the OSU secondary two years ago. Had solid players everywhere, draftable slash good enough to be big time D1. That it kind of reminds me of that very, very solid and smart. All right, we got time for a couple more questions here. Uh, let's see here. Drew Smalley wants to know Would you be shocked if Jonathan Brooks rushes for 1200 yards and 10 plus touchdowns this season? Am I overly excited about him, or is the media overlooking him? I don't buy the running back by committee assumption. 
Your thoughts? I think I think if he's healthy all season, that's that's going to happen. If he's healthy all season, now the ten TDs maybe not because we don't know if he's going to be the goal line back. Yeah. Right now we need to see who the goal line back is, uh, but the twelve hundred yards. I agree with you. Sark's not a let's run him in and out of there. He, he likes to get guys some reps at running back and get a feel for the game. Yeah, I think it comes down to two things, and I, I do think Jonathan Brooks could have that type of season. I think, one, it's his health, and two, how much, how much, how different does Cedric Baxter look in August versus the spring when he's just getting his feet wet. Um, if Cedric Baxter really comes on, I could see, the, see more of a rotation if – Cedric Baxter needs a little more time being a talented, true freshman. I could see Jonathan Brooks having a big year. I think what's going to help Brooks have that type of season is Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Quinn, second-year offensive line all coming back. I think the pieces around are really good for a young running back entering his first year as a starter, whether that's Brooks or Baxter. All right, guys, let's see here. Jared Voswinkel, what is the offseason schedule for the Horns? Um, so uh, Eric Nolene, our publisher of Inside Texas, uh, reported on this uh, at length. Uh, in the month of May, finals, basically, uh, for school. Players will go back home for two or three weeks. Of course, they'll be expected to continue working out on their own schedule. They'll have workout numbers they have to hit, et cetera. And then they'll reconvene in Austin late late uh, May, just like Trevor Goosby was talking about, Right where they'll come back. And then once that starts, then it's workouts with the team. Coaches can be part of this nowadays. Remember that, that changed. Coaches can now work with those guys. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how this all works out. But uh, work out with weights, then they'll go do football workouts each and every day, basically. Okay, let's see here. Got maybe a couple more. Jay, the activist. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> In mind, Manny had that spring while fasting. Hey, he may have been fasting, but like you can eat before the sun is up, right? And they were having early morning practices. <laughs> I I would be very thankful that they were having early morning practices. I if I was Manny Muhammad, because I could I, I went out there at 7 30, 8 a.m. In, in a couple of those days in Austin, it was already 90 degrees. Like the spring game, holy cow, how did he do that? I mean, that was hot. I mean, I was, I think I, you know, sweated through a shirt that night, that day. Uh, but to your point, Jay's not wrong. He did. He had, he had to go through that. Luckily, I think Texas practiced in the morning. So he may have got something in him before he got going that day. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys, let me say, before we take Ashton Holloman's uh, question, let me say thanks one last time tonight to Energy Texas. Uh, the guys over at Energy Texas are sponsors of this show. Uh, friends of ours. Uh, if you're looking for an energy provider in the state of Texas uh, and want to shop for the best price available, that's also local, uh, give them a shout at energytexas.com or 855-461-1129. Uh, Texas is a deregulated energy state for most of it, and you have a choice when it comes to your energy provider. Uh, give them a look, energytexas.com. Sorry about that, Blake. You go ahead. Oh, no, that's fine. Not a problem at all. Thank you to Energy Texas for sure. All right, uh, back to recruiting. Ashton Holloman wants to know, does Texas still have the opportunity to sign the number one class since many of the 24 players Texas has offered are still uncommitted? 
I lean no on that. I think I think Georgia's set up to have a pretty monster recruiting class. Um, but I, I think the key is just in, in the top five. And another reason I say that is inside the state of Texas, um, you know, I'm not sure it's there. They'd have to have a lot of success out of state as far as the rankings go, because it's not just a five starts. It's stacking a bunch of guys ranked top 100, top 120 in the country into a class. Um, and your top 21 guys are going to uh, count to that on three industry team ranking. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough, but I think a third top five class is a possibility. Uh, but they're going to have to do a little more damage out of state in this class, I think. David Williams says, Gavin Holmes reminds me of Darian Dunn. Both were very fast transfers that were not good enough to insert cornerbacks uh, that were currently on the roster. I don't think Holmes is better than Terrence Brooks. What do y'all think? I think Darian Dunn was a fifth-year guy from a small school in Louisiana. Uh, Gavin Holmes is a little bit different. Just I'm just he's longer. Also, Darian Dunn was not exactly long. Gavin Holmes has some arm some arm length to him. And the thing I would I, say, I think, I'm just telling you guys, you can take what you want, leave the rest. <laughs> Gavin Holmes is going to be a player for Texas and beyond Texas. I'm going to put this blunt, okay? He was a starting corner at Wake Forest for two years. They won more games than Texas for in that two-year period. He's a really good player. I, I'm not trying to be mean to any existing player for sure because I think they love Terrence Brooks. I, I, right. I, I think that, you know, we have to look and see how they're going to get these guys on the field. I, I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Hey, let's do one last question, guys. Right. Bird Baggett wants to know, how do you feel the Texas defense will perform against Alabama's offense? Mm. Good question. I bet they're going to run right at them this year. They, they don't have Bryce Young back there to just sit around and deal, you know, nor do they have someone as stubborn as Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, I don't think. I mean, how stubborn is that guy? I mean, you know, Jerry, wait. Do you do you agree with that? If they play Jalen Milrow and they don't run the ball forty-five to fifty times against Texas, they're the offense coordinator needs to be fired. Coming, I know it's Tommy Reese. He needs to be fired coming out of the gate. Yeah, no, I, that's the and you want to per you want to keep your defense fresh in that game, and you want to keep Texas offense off the field in that game. I really do think that. I I, I think, look, I mean. If Quinn Hatton got hurt in that game last year, because I think Nick Nick and Bam were going to stay in man, I think he might have thrown for 350 in that game, 400 yards in that game. That Texas was in a flow. And yeah. I think Alabama is going to be really looking to keep Texas from getting in that flow. Um, and how do you do that? You control the ball more, you play to it. I think Alabama is going to be really good defensively. I think they've recruited – better front seven players in the last couple of classes. And those kids, I think, I think Kirby hit them pretty hard and on the defensive front for two or three years. I think Bama's getting a little bit better again on the, on the defensive front. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the key for Alabama is run the ball offensively and keep that defense off the field, not let Sarkeesian get in the flow um, with an improved Texas offense in the passing game. Definitely makes sense. Well, looks like we're just about out of time. Um, 
Guys, thank you all so much. Uh, we want to thank Matt, our producer, and Les Grossman, Justin Yarbrough, Ryan Nelson, and Jay the Activist for their super chats. Uh, for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll be back same place, same time next week right here on the On Texas Football Live stream. Welcome. <laughs>